there. This is the A Lot to Say podcast, a conversation-based project focused on unconventional career paths and the projects that consume us. I'm your host, Gary Williams, or Gaz, as many call me. And A Lot to Say is part of the Alts Project's family of content, uh, obsessing about the overlap between creativity, technology, and culture. I'm fortunate to spend my days working alongside technologists, artists, researchers, and people who just generally give a damn about the world we live in. And I'm very lucky to be able to hear of some incredible career journeys over that time from some really inspiring people. So I am particularly energized by the projects that I hear people are experimenting and tinkering on along the way. And I thought, you know what, it's time to put these stories out there with the A Lot to Say podcast project. I can't wait for you to hopefully discover some new and lesser known stories about the things people get wrapped up in and what led them to this point. This is A Lot to Say. Welcome to episode 15 of A Lot to Say podcast. I'm absolutely stoked to have Julia Giannini McGoran uh, on the talk today, or Gigi McGee, as you may know her. She's a creative director, art director, photographer, designer, um, musician, and much, much more. And we get into a number of these aspects, a number of the wild and wacky um, projects she's gotten wrapped up in. Um, and when we say wrapped up in, we even talk about what she um, did to her poor old nonna. Um but she's such a pleasure to um, have on the podcast, and I'm absolutely stoked that she said yes. I love her um, incredibly bold and striking um, style, and you know, if you look at her Instagram page, you'll see that in spades. Um, it's really cool to have her involved. It's been a little bit of time since I released the last batch of um, 14 to 15 podcast episodes, so it's really cool to dive back into it, and, um, and I'm glad it was such a fun one to do with her first up um, off the ranks. So without further ado, here's Gigi McGee as part of a Lot to Say podcast, episode 15. Cheers. Well, I'm joined on this episode of a Lot to Say podcast with um, Gigi McGee or Julia McGoran, whichever, which, whichever you prefer. How are you going? And thanks for joining me. Thank you, Gary. I'm very well. <laughs> and you, you said the name great. <laughs> Everyone struggles a little. Um, for, for context for everyone just before I hit record, we talked about what I was going to refer to you as throughout the podcast. So um, I sort of addressed them both in both in uh, one go. But, yeah, do people struggle with uh, your name? Oh, pronouncing yeah. It? I've had um, – so it's Julia Giannini McGoran, but I've had um, Grulia Magosnan before. That was an interesting <laughs> um, Yeah, Grulia was probably the most far-fetched, but I, I get Guilia um Gaulia <laughs> a lot so people kind of just they throw them all out there but you know so I, I tend to go by GG for those who've only read my name and not said it before because it's sort of a little yeah, easier yeah. For, on the brain in the morning you know <laughs> uh, yeah yeah for sure and obviously I mean you carry that moniker with you on your um your sort of Instagram handle but I like it we're getting into the deep stuff um straight away with, with the podcast when I when, you know, when I was um, asking you to be on, and I've long had you on the list, and I've, I've, I'm really excited to chat to you today. But um, you know, I sent you a bunch of things that we could potentially talk about, um, and then one came back. So I guess I'll dive right into it. Um, so tell me about your obsession with Shit's Creek and, and what it means to you. <laughs> oh my gosh, have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen a bit. Okay, so my wife started during isolation, yeah. tried to rope me into it. I was not interested, but I sort of became more allure, like I found it more alluring as the season went on. Um, yeah. But you got to watch yeah. all six seasons and then you'll find it extra alluring. I think it's just. Well, I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of like, you know, some of the actors in, in what they've done in the past. But yeah, it definitely um, seemed like it grew over the seasons, right? They really grew and I feel like there aren't that like I feel like when you watch a TV show now often they'll sort of throw everything at you and throw the background of these people at you and you sort of have to like quickly catch up on their lives whereas the the character kind of the introductions was really slow and their growth was really slow and like they sort of just earned everything throughout the seasons and it was just like it was I watched it twice because I watched it once when I was editing sort of in the background and then I was like I have yeah. to give this a full a full watch and my my whole family watched it and it just brought everyone together because it's so gorgeous and like genuinely funny and it's it's 
fast because of all of the character moments, but the actual storyline is quite slow and it's really it like it's just a brilliant show. I think the guys are genius. So Yeah, I uh like uh, my wife started to fill me in on it, but um yeah, then I sort of whilst I didn't watch it fervently, like I started to look in so she was telling me about some some call about folding butter or something. Oh yeah. Into <laughs> Into the, so then I've looked this up and then, you know, all these people are posting about this so it takes on its own life. I I thought it was pretty funny and, what? like, it, it seems like it's it's a show with a lot of heart. Yeah, and it's got, like, a full cult following now as well. People are just – people just fell in love with them and they they stopped it probably – they could have kept going for, you know, 20 years but they chose to stop it and I sort of really respect that decision as well because it sort of leaves you just with this – you know, unbelievably positive feeling towards the show. It's just, yeah, uh, look, it's a lockdown thing along with some, you know, we're on day 102 of yoga today, but <laughs> it's sort of like, <laughs> you know, you take on things during lockdown and that was truly one, um, that was a that was an absolute jewel. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, look, uh, we'll dive into a bunch of stuff. I just could not resist, um, <laughs> you know, getting into it. I, I Like, I thought by the fact that you just dropped it in there, I'm like, well, there's an obsession. It was the only <laughs> thing that was in capitals, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, Julia, um, you're, you're here today. I'm, I'm really stoked to have you here. Look, we, um, you know, with the podcast, you know, it's a, it, it's a mishmash of people, but talking about, I guess, that that aspect of unconventional career paths and then, you know, sort of um, people who have a lot of projects uh, within their life and sort of get consumed by their interests or their passions. And I've, I've heard you speak in the past and even had my photos taken by you and just sort of um, interacted with you a little bit over time. And, um, yeah, I, I just really love your approach and, and what you do. But And we'll dive into that a little bit. But so you're, you're labelled as a creative director and photographer. What's, what's a day in the life, um, so to speak, for yourself at the moment? At the moment, I feel like a day in the life is sort of never the same, which is really, really cool. Um, And it's sort of uh, a little scary at the same time because you sort of never quite know what's coming your way, but that's that's exciting too. Um, But a day in the life would be, oh, geez, I'm a a late, I wake up late. I wake up at usually nine. um, Yep. And, but, you know, drag it out a little here or there. Um, like today, <laughs> you're getting the worst of me today. Um, so I wake up late and usually the emails are sort of already there. So you sort of, it's usually breakfast and then straight to the computer. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of, you know, having a coffee with somebody you love during the day or trying to, you know, at least four times a week catching up with someone or you know or catching up with someone new so usually there's a there's a coffee in there too and I I choose to um sort of wish away the daylight hours and then work through the night um yeah but so often it'll be like brainstorms so I'll have to brainstorm something for the next shoot and then that will take you know a couple of hours and I usually like my brain doesn't kick in until like two or three so that's when I really start to like be able to come up with some ideas yeah gotcha and then there's a hell of a lot of editing as well there's styling there's um making sets there's so there's sort of usually like I'll run around I might get something while the shops are open if I have to get some paints or all of that kind of thing and then I'll usually have a couple of meetings and then I'll either brainstorm or edit until about your 1 or your 2 a.m., which I know I will fix one day, but for now, (laughs) (laughs) that's the way it is. Um, And then some days are just full photo shoots. So it's either a day of sort of preparation and brainstorming or it's a day of sort of being really on and shooting. So you've sort of got the introvert, extrovert days and balance them out sort of as they come. Yeah, that's cool. Like for context for anyone who's um, listening and hasn't come across your work before, mm-hmm. um, it, it's this really vivid um, photography and, and you do some really incredible things with uh, a lot of people from creative industries and, and beyond. Um, tell us about your your sort of process and and what it looks like in sort, 
sort of a visual medium? Like, what do you strive for in terms of setting up these? And, and what are the inspiration for, um, uh, I, I guess, putting people in these <laughs> photography situations? Yeah. Well, I think I went to VCA to art school um, after school quite unexpectedly, but we sort of ended up there. And, um, and I think, like, I really loved it. Like, it was sort of – it was the place where – I sort of realized who I was and it was a place where I felt like I was being really genuinely pushed in the right way. I think, you know, I'd been pushed to at school, um, you know, to do orchestra and play oboe, which was, I was just so crap at and, you know, like things like that. Mm. And I, I never felt like I could grow when you're pushed in the wrong way kind of thing. Whereas at art school I was being pushed and I just felt like I, I could feel myself sort of my brain expanding and doing the right thing. And that was like all about VCA is very like, you know, they're very conceptual. They really push you on the ideas. and But they also say you can't forget the aesthetic. The aesthetic has to kind of run parallel to that concept. Like, you know, you're sort of going yeah. along two tracks really. Um, and you can't let one fall behind. And I think um, in VCA, you're, and sort of the artists are often lone wolves. Like they sort of, you come up with the idea and you create it and you do it. You know what I mean? It's it's sort of like, I think sort of like film, at film school, you, you come up with an idea and you get your crew to do it sort of thing. So I think yeah. I had that kind of feeling that I love to, pull everything together into one sort of cohesive artwork that actually sort of felt really as whole as I could make it or as as consistent as I could possibly make it. So I think that kind of has filtered through despite the fact at the time I was taking photos of lamb's tongues. Um, yeah, I was going to get on to the oh, tongues. Well, we'll talk about the tongues later. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was a, look, you know, you win some, you lose some. But, um, but this was, yeah, I think it was as I started to do promo shots, I, like, and also this is because I was dealing with indie musicians and budgets aren't huge, you know. You sort of have to. Yeah figure out a way to do as much as possible with as few people as possible, really. Um, and because I sort of am very, very strict with making sure the people who are around me are being paid properly, you know, I can be the last one to be paid properly, but it's sort of like I need to keep it as sustainable as I can. And um, so I think I've always had that. It's always been a bit instinctive to be so to develop concepts with an artist and sort of figure out exactly where we're going with a shoot and come up with something exciting. And that gives me so much energy because artists are just, and musicians are just so damn inspiring. And so yeah, from there, it's sort of like, okay, well, we've got to think about the set and how the costume ties in and how everything can come together to sort of form the idea. And it's, the ideas as meaty as the aesthetics are. So you kind of get to it's so rich to be able to say, okay, if we're going to style this, we have to tie it into that color in the corner and that, you know, and you go into all the little details like that. If your outfit has eyeballs on it, you know, like because your song is about an all seeing thing, this has never happened, but you know, an all seeing thing, <laughs> you know, then you sort of go, okay, well, where are the veins throughout the the painting in the background? Or, you know, you can, and or like, should we have those coming up your pants as well? So then, it feels less like a a shot like a, a shot of someone and more like I love it when it, you get it to the point where it feels like an artwork. Mm. Yeah, I, and we could take this um, this point in a few directions, like going back to what led you towards the VCA, uh, but then obviously talking about the artists that you've worked in. I might go towards the artists and then sure. bring it back, but um, – you know, in getting ready for this chat, um, you know, you really wanted to reference not only the fact that you've done some um, some shoots from, so for some quite significant artists, but then also a lot of emerging ones and had a lot of uh, fun with that. And you referenced a couple such as Cry Club and then um, approachable members of your local community, um, mm -hmm. which uh, the, the shoots that you've got published on your um, Instagram of, um, of those groups are, are incredible and definitely have that really you know, really vivid imagery sort of um, feel in terms of what you were just referencing. I love it. Well, I think it's really like an, like the music scene as well is so special because 
you know, by the very nature of the fact, I guess, that um, musicians do are incredible with their ears. And so to be able to bring some eyes into that as well, it's sort of this, you can, it's just this freedom because you sort of both really trust each other. I trust what they've done, you know, like they've created this phenomenal thing that they're, you know, handing over to inspire an artwork. So you sort of Mm. get this amazing bouncing kind of happening. And I think there are like with Cry Club, you know, they are so, um, and so many, I've been so incredibly lucky with the people who I've been able to work with in the sense that so many are like this, that, it's sort of like we both, like it's true collaboration where they come in and I come into a room to brainstorm and neither of us have any ideas and that's when you sort of really hit the sweet spot. It's not someone coming in with like, well, I've thought about this or, you know, like it's truly let's come up with something together and it's about bouncing and it's about sort of being able to create and you know, with music, it doesn't have to make sense. And artwork doesn't have to, it's not, you know, advertising in the sense that we have to convey a certain message, but Mm. you also do have to consider their brand. So it's sort of like being able to work on the branding and being able to work on, you know, coming up with ideas. But there's still a really sort of high level of freedom in that process, which I just, I completely adore. And you sort of, I think I'd always been afraid that as things got bigger, that would go. Um, yeah, yeah. But in, it actually, I, I don't know whether I've just got really, really lucky, but like it just hasn't, like working with Tones and having her sort of be so open to things and so free and, you know, being able to explore together and have that same process it's really sort of like and it's it's been such a cool thing because I I always thought that I'd have to sort of compromise that as things got bigger but that sort of hasn't been the case and that's so I've sort of it's such a joy to know that you know what I mean yeah Yeah. I I I really like that I really like that I mean obviously um there's a presumption in there that you know people are so uh attracted to the work that you do that they um imagine themselves in it rather than you know the flip side them having to um convince you to change your um your approach which is really cool um but you know you just mentioned tones as in tones and I um what are some of the other uh quite large artists you've been working with um as of late um, oh, I love them all. Um, Tone, <laughs> I did a shoot with Tash Sultana the other day and they are just fantastic as well. I really, really loved that and that was sort of that same really wonderful sort of collaboration. And then the Rubens I always love working with. My partner's in the band, so, you know, you, right. you're like, you know, you've you got to give them a, you know, <laughs> they're sort of, you you can't help but have some favorites here or there yeah, yeah, um yeah. oh gosh I kind of don't even know these days um, I think it's I think it's okay to label you know the Rubens as a clear favorite that's fine because oh, uh, you know there's a bias <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> it's um yeah no it's it's really cool I, I would love to know from you before uh diving into some other aspects um what uh you know th- this isn't a COVID focused podcast obviously but obviously Mm. if you work with um a lot of musicians and artists i'd love Mm. to know um uh in terms of you know what's the sentiment that's been communicated by a lot of artists throughout this year where um you know a lot of people's sort of i guess you know artistic livelihoods have been uh, taken away to some degree how is how are the clients and friends and collaborators that you work with regularly how are they sort of taking the year whereas um are they excited about yeah. the opportunities coming up? Like, uh, I know that's a bit of a blanket question, yeah. but no, no, I'd love I know to know exactly what, you, what think. you mean. I think it's interesting because I think um, I look, a lot of my friends are in the creative industries, and I think, um, but I also have friends who aren't in the creative industries. And funnily enough, I think all friends and clients who are in the creative industries, because by the very nature of it being the creative industry, I feel like we're all used to a certain level of uncertainty and not really knowing day to day and not knowing whether we'll have a job tomorrow or not knowing whether, you know, so there's, I think we all have lived with this very sort of underlying anxiety and uncertainty for so long that I think that 
has almost helped like I feel like it's almost helped everyone cope a little better in terms of like yes everyone's stressed but it's sort of it's a it's a familiar stress you know like um so I think yeah I've I've I think everyone's really I've been really impressed with the way that everyone's been coping and also been so open to the fact that like you know you go okay how can I cope it is doing you know YouTube yoga and people are asking each other like how are you coping like what are you doing to be okay and so it's sort of it's sort of opened up this really important and good dialogue between everyone I think yeah Mm. no I I love that and I'm, I'm curious to know, I mean, it's, um, you know, in some ways it's, it's quite a tra- This was referenced in some past um, interviews, such as with uh, Callum Preston, who, who you know quite well. Mm-hmm. But um, but obviously, you know, part of the trap. He's fantastic. He is. He's a, yeah, very decent um, mm. human. But, uh, you know, that's sort of the travesty, I, I guess we referenced in that um, first chat, because it was the first episode that I actually recorded and we discussed around mm. the fact that, you know, artists at the beginning in Australia at the beginning of this year were basically the first to come to the fore to, um, you know, donate artworks and mm-hmm. um, uh, created pieces in, in response to, uh, you know, what was going on with the bushfires and bushfire relief um, revenue generation. Yeah. And then and then they were swiftly out of work when... Um, mm-hmm sort of the pandemic hit and it was, um, you know, it's quite unjust, I thought. So um, love to know that, you know, that um, there's positivity around the corner and and, um, something to look forward to, I guess. Yeah, I think, look, I am, yeah, the music industry and the arts industry, just the level of support, I just, come on, people. Like, (laughs) it's just sort of, it's so, like, it's so unacceptable, really, in Australia how little sort of respect and support the industry receives for how much it brings um it's quite sort of it's a it's always a shock to read it sort of thing um but I think it is you know it is really cool that on the ground everyone is feeling you know hopeful in a way and also just the wonderful thing I guess about music and people in creative industries is yes playing live is such an important part and it's so invigorating and it fuels a whole industry, but also, you know, people can still write or I can still come up with ideas with clients. We can still brainstorm. We can still, you know, do a long distance shoot or create things. I think where there's a will to create, there's a positive energy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of creation, um, I mean, when I first uh, stumbled across what you were doing, I mean, I'd seen... Um, some of your work published, I was drawn to sort of the visual identity. I didn't quite know who it was and then inevitably, mainly through Instagram and then I think through Beat Magazine, I think you were published in. But I've seen that you've been published in, you know, sort of a number of other magazines and, um, you know, put on, you know, street posters and and beyond, which is really cool. But one of the first images as I discovered your Instagram was actually uh, your grandmother. Oh, (laughs) no. You were were using your nonna as a tissue and it was was amazing. Um, It just had this like really striking visual identity, which I I myself just thoroughly enjoyed, let alone the fact that you were incorporating a number of musicians. But how did you you rope your your nonna into it? Oh, nonna is... I, I cannot, I can't believe how lucky I've been to have a nonna. Like, you know, as in she doesn't cook, so everyone's like, oh, you're so lucky you have a nonna. You can, you know, eat nice food. <laughs> if, you wanna, if you want food at nonna's house, you might get a poached egg with an asparagus stuck in it, but other than that, not too much. Like she's, <laughs> that is not why I'm lucky to have a nonna. She is just an absolute force of a woman. She, um... She's got. She's addicted to Facebook, and her you know, and she's got an Apple Watch and iPhone. She, I get texts on the regular. Um, she, yeah, she's just so. Um, she's always up to date with everyone's lives, and she has always been that way since we were little. She's always and and genuinely curious too. It's not. Um, and she's an older person who's always always open to things like my boyfriend has tattoos which was a um a discussion and a half let me tell you that 
(laughs) But, you know, she came around to it and, you know, like and also the fact that she's so interested in what, like, my little cousin is at film school now and um, my other kid is a doctor and I'm uh, sort of doing goodness knows what at all times and she's always up to date with it and she's always sort of on to it and so she's always been like... I guess you shoot what inspires you and she's always sort of she's always first off the the rung for that if I want to do something you know really and she's yeah. um yeah she's sat in a suitcase or we've put her in a suitcase before she's been covered in glad wrap in gelatin I was gonna ask you the hard questions <laughs> yeah because I heard you speak at Creative Mornings one time and you um yeah very matter-of-factly told the audience that you you uh you covered your grandmother in gelatin it was was for I always thought it would be nice if you could just go back in the womb and just be cared for for a while you know and this is this is the peak of art school days where I like I wanted to make a adult embryo so I um put um or would you it wouldn't be embryo it would be like embryonic sack right if we're gonna really freak people out but yeah um, so I like put like 40 layers of glad wrap together so not environmentally friendly but forgive me back in 2010 but or no a little <laughs> no a little later mm, what about 2012 <laughs> forgive me but um i um put these layers and then um made a little like womb in the corner of the room for this performance <laughs> art project that i was doing i was on exchange in boston and i wanted to give birth to myself but it didn't work out um because Turns out when you glue 40 layers of glad wrap together, it actually really glues. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up being stuck in a womb with 40 people looking at me um, and sitting in it, trying to get out <laughs> desperately <laughs> of this glad wrap sack. But anyway, it was, look, it was a phase. It was a real um, sort of womb phase. And so I asked Nana if I could cover her in jealousy. And she was, she's literally has been, she's, been keen for everything because she just loves to sort of be involved and play around and yeah she's really such a impressive woman that's awesome I, I feel just based on something you said I feel like womb phase could be a thing um <laughs> but that's okay we'll, we'll we'll dive into it later um it, it's it's an absolute travesty that um this project wasn't done during the smartphone era because obviously oh, then it, we would have was, something it to was but look to be fair before me was somebody who got stark naked, covered themselves in honey and was wearing a wolf mask while wailing, reading a red letter from their father. So mine wasn't, you know, mine was pretty sta- stock standard here. Like, um, But I did have to, I was trying to squeeze out of it because I'd made a slit. But and I had some jelly because I was like, if you were emerging from a womb in the corner, yeah. theoretically, there would be some goop that comes out, right? But if you put jelly, the slit was above my head and I was sitting on the ground. So in this sort of, sort of this, it sort of covered around me if I was crouching really small, basically. So I tried to, basically it was covered in fairy lights and then there was a big hot theatre light. So every now and then I could blast light out of this womb sort of thing. So I was like, okay, this is going to be great. But then I switched on the, the big theatre light and it blew all of the fairy lights because it was on the same switch. Oh, yeah, right. like, well, well, <laughs> damn. So I was sitting there with this really hot light in this very small womb <laughs> and I remember being like, okay, this is a bit hot. I need to, you know, I need to get out of this pretty, you know, pretty soon. I'm, I'm, you know, doing this piece of performance art and I was like, it's a shame because now everyone can see me inside really clearly because there's so <laughs> much light. But let's just, you know, you, you're in difficult situations, middle of the performance, keep it going. And so I, um, I had this goop and I, it was in a glad bag and I sort of pushed it up through the top. But if you push a glad bag from the bottom, it, of course, flips on you, right? So next minute I'm covered in really jelly that I'd absolutely gone to town with red food dye. So I was covered in it inside none of it went out so it was all inside 
And what happens when you cover yourself in jelly next to a really hot light is that you start slipping around, okay? So I was slipping around in this godforsaken womb and I kept bumping into this damn hot light. So I was like, okay, I just need to get out. I really need to get out of this. <laughs> this is just not going my way. And then I'd created two slits in the front because I was like, if the slit in the middle doesn't work to like pull myself out of, you know, sorry, yeah. the, you know, the graphic details, I was like, I could at least sort of squeeze my hands out. But I managed to get my hands out. And so, and I'd done a puppet play the year before, which was also um, an unfortunate decision. But anyway, I'd done a puppet play and I, so I had my hands out the front and I was like, well, all I could get were my hands out of this womb and I was covered in jelly. And so I just made them, my hands talk to each other like little sock puppets. And I was like, (laughs) and then I sort of just, wiggled them back in and turned off the light. So that was sort of, you know, <laughs> you make the most of those situations and that was that and the audience clapped extremely slowly and uh, I'll never repeat it again. So you're welcome. <laughs> you know, I I had this like stark, um, like I was trying to visualise it and um, I had a particular scene from Ace Ventura 2 in, in my head where he, has to get out of a rhino. So if anyone's seen that. Yeah, that uh, would be about right. Um, <laughs> but I don't even care how many times you've uh, told this story, like holding court at parties. Like you're a fantastic storyteller, but I can imagine you just like having everyone raptures, telling this story at numerous dinner parties or parties or whatever. Oh. Um, yeah, don't you stop can't tell it, it during it? dinner. Come oh. on, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the deadly um, I've got to, I've got a point to make after this, but like, thank you for sharing that. Uh, you also, um, is this true? One time you made a band aid suit. Oh yes, that was at art school. That was art school days too. I covered myself in band aids, and <laughs> I walked around my local neighbourhood. <laughs> um, yeah, that was during the. I'm very phobic of uh, needles. Um, yeah. And that was sort of a statement on that, really, that if I covered myself in Band-Aids, there'd be no place to put a needle. <laughs> so I sort of, I, look, the logic was unusual, but, you know, I think I got a relatively good mark for that assignment, so you win some. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, um, on, the, on the needle thing, I think you've referred to this in the past, haven't you? Like, was this um, in the, okay, were you? Minus, the working yeah. one. Mm. Yeah, that was um. Well, I did want to be a nurse. That's why I, I really, That's really right. that was that was what I always thought my calling was. I thought I wanted to be a geriatric nurse because I think nurses truly are. And I mean, it's been great during this pandemic seeing health workers be so you know highlighted because they really are just the most angelic people in this world. Yeah. When you're like when you're just at your wits' end on a hospital bed which I've been a few times, you know, after having cars get friendly with me on my bike, you're just having someone there caring for you. You just like, it's just such a incredible job really. And like, I just was so grateful every time, but um, yeah, I, I did really want to be a nurse. And then I, um, well, I got kicked out of maths and chemistry, which wasn't the best start to that. <laughs> and then, well, she asked me to, she just took me outside Mrs. Allen was her name. She took me outside and she said, Julia, you're really letting down my average. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> and then Matt, like a week later, my maths teacher, and this was all in year 11, took me outside and was like, you're not, you're just not trying, are you? And I was, <laughs> I'd actually been trying really hard. <laughs> so <laughs> it was sort of yeah, like, sure. no, I haven't. i'll go now so you know that was and then i yeah i did the accidentally did work experience in allergies and immunology which for somebody with a needle phobia was not the yeah best choice in the world so that was sort of needle phobias i don't know why but it's really filtered through to a lot of uh art projects but i did make a muppet called dr c ringe when i was at school too and that um that recently got used in a music video. So, you know. Yeah, right. Which which video? Well, my music video. It's uh, ah, the yes. new one. Well, yeah. oh, in the new one. 
Yes, there's a new one coming next year, I think, early next year. That's cool. I mean, you've just done the work for me. I was going to, you know, spruik it towards the end um, to have someone, everyone knows something to keep their eyes on. But um, let's, let's talk about the, the film. I mean, we're we're talking about um, exploring opportunities. I remember at the creative mornings talk, which we've referenced a few times um, that you would basically your fundamental theme in it was following like when saying a particular word would lead to many more of those instances. Do you remember um, specifically? Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it was cool because it was so memorable and everyone really sat up and took note. Like, did you want to explain that, um, that concept, which I guess is a fundamental thing in all these creative projects. And then we'll we'll dive into the the music venture. Oh, help. Yeah, I think, well, that was the creative mornings talk was it was sort of we had to the it was sort of I was struggling to figure out how to explain what sort of there there has been a career path it's been a weird one but there has been one and I think um it feels like it all is very random when you sort of put it together or it feels like it all just there is no path in a way. It sort of feels like there's sort of just stuff flying everywhere or there's this project and then that project, but it sort of really, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like it's actually been quite linear in its development, but yeah, that yeah. sort of, um, that, that talk was sort of about basically the linear path that it feels like it's been on is when things interest you and you sort of just keep following and that sometimes takes you down different paths which you didn't expect. But that was by saying like everything that makes you go ooh is sort of something that you should always take further interest in and follow sort of because I think that's where you you thrive when you, you follow something that really sparks your interest, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really connected with it. I, I absolutely um, loved it. And and having known you just a little bit before that, then, well, obviously you just love hearing about people's backgrounds, but I, I really, really love that talk. Have you, have you, um have you given many interviews about your sort of like this, in your mind, linear, but, um, you know, sort of random <laughs> series of um, events that have collided to sort of lead you in this path have you talked much about the career journey to date like have you done a lot of podcasts like this or a lot of public talks well I've done a couple of conferences um because I did so I guess part of that linear thing is once I started working with musicians and realized I loved it so much I realized there was a sort of there was a bit of a gap between um musicians sort of coming to photographers for branding almost and the label with the marketing so it's sort of like there was there was always a like I there's a quite a big leap from saying you can you can do a cover or you can do any cover you want or you know this song can go really well or you know there's leaps from that to actually creating the assets and yeah where I realized sort of there's a lot of trust and a lot of labels do do this but um there's a lot of trust for smaller indie musicians who are investing so much in you know and so much of their own time and you know their own money in this music that I sort of thought well actually the branding is so important um and I want to get this right for them because that is a huge investment and it's not just about taking a pretty picture it's about genuinely trying to capture who they are and be able at the same time be able to create a further narrative for them of where they can take that so that it's not just taking a photo and then they're stuck. It's saying, okay, well, this is something because then it can grow into this and each one you can take a little piece of the previous and keep pushing it further. So it's about sort of creating a sustainable narrative and brand. And so I did a Master's of Advertising and then a thesis in developing brand personality for emerging indie Australian musicians. Crazy. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. You, you did talk about this. How, so how was that return to study with this? Um, I think uh, I'm making some assumptions here, but uh, 
certain people might return to study um, and potentially go into something quite broad, maybe just to acquire, you know, further accreditation. Whereas you've gone yeah. incredibly focused and niche with your your um, your focus area under the guise yeah. of advertising. You, you've yeah. really dived into specifically what your sweet spot is, I guess, um, you feel. Yeah, it was really, um, I really, I like doing it that way because I sort of knew exactly what I wanted out of it. And that was to you know, absorb all the information in the first few years of sort of knowing about, and I do work with um, advertising agencies as well and more corporate stuff. So it was, I felt it was really important to be wise in that area and know Mm. and just get, just to get the best outcome really and how to be on the sort of, um, the sort of what is the right sort of process and all of that as well. Um, But I think, yeah, towards the end it was I was able to actually really narrow it down because I did find that interesting and also I didn't find any, like I couldn't, if I had been able to find the research around that, I probably wouldn't have gone back to do that. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't there. So I sort of thought, well, you know, if it's not there and the Australian music industry is phenomenal and it's sort of doing so well and we've got so, so many, you know, massive artists and you know interesting things going on so I was like well there's got to be a bit of research around that um and so I just went and and did it (laughs) and did it make did it make things clearer for you or or, um your particular mission or focus or or even um how you approach projects or you know following your intuition that made things quite clearer as opposed to making it no, it made it in terms of too much choice. No, it sort of it was really because doing I guess doing it research it's really tough because I feel like I went into it thinking that I knew the answer and that you know as any you know person starting out sort of it's that like the typical like oh yeah I can do this you know like yeah, yeah, um, yeah. good attitude to have you know helps you push through but you know sometimes it can um, narrow your uh, views on things I guess um and I think it it made me have to stop and listen to things I didn't necessarily want to hear like you know sort of and also be able to really um understand what like you know and I interviewed a range of artists at different points in their careers to also think about sustainability of the brand and it was really important to know um yeah, just to learn about what artists wanted and also like in that process like a big thing was authenticity because all the artists were like, I want to be authentic and I was sort of like, but, you know, how do you know what's authentic, you know? So it sort of like sparked all of these sort of questions and I think um, it's sort of like a big sort of finding and it was that um, – I think in Australia in particular, because I did speak to some artists overseas as well, but it seems that like a lot of the artists thought that um, being authentic meant sort of like not thinking about things or like letting things come naturally. But instead it was sort of like going through the research that the ones who had had successful long-term branding was authenticity because they had actively thought about it for so long. So they'd really you know, delved in and done some deep dives into themselves, which helped them mm. in the future. So it was sort of a a really interesting, it's almost like the term authentic had become this thing and, you know, almost a blockage for people to explore their brand or explore who they were. And even the term brand is a bit of a dirty one, you know, to yeah, like, yeah. but it actually, it was really interesting to be able to uncover that kind of, things that felt like, oh, you want to be authentic? Okay, cool. But then actually being able to know what people thought that was and what other people thought it actually was. And, you know, it it just really helped to f- me to understand that kind of that, you know, process a little bit more. And um, the people you were um, engaging with and interviewing, uh, I would imagine this isn't um... – I mean, certainly amongst friendship circles, they may, they may be uh, sentiments that are expressed, but they wouldn't have actively been um, engaged as part of a research project to voice their opinions. Mm. It's probably always under the guise of sort of a um, 
you know, PR for for a release or um, whatever interview they're participating in. So did yeah. they appreciate by the same token the ability to uh, sort of air the um, <laughs> their unfiltered thoughts, so to speak? Yeah, I think so. And like a few people who I'd worked with before said things that I sort of thought, oh, I actually, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't catch on to that or, you know, like I actually should have listened more to that. And, you know, there are a lot of things that, I realised, yeah, by voicing so freely and really delving into it, and a lot of them, you know, hadn't really thought about it too much before, so it was, it was, um, you know, they sort of felt that it was allowing them to voice things out loud in a way, you know, so it was really, um, it was really important to hear and I think it, um, I haven't stopped sort of using that research or thinking about that since which has been yeah you know really helpful I think that's really cool yeah uh, like I, I don't want to um, miss this point as we uh sort of get towards the end of the the chat the chit chat mm-hmm. um uh but we talked about you venturing into a musical project did this yeah. um this sort of like engagement with the musical community in the, in a different um, sort of context in terms of research and interviews, et cetera, did that set in motion you diving into uh, creating your, um, your, your own music or beginning it, that sort of body of work? It actually did. And it was actually a part, it ended up being like I'd done the research, but I had an extra, I had to do a bloody extra subject at the end, which I sort of really, by that time <laughs> felt so exhausted and didn't really want to do it. But I, um, I sort of thought, you know what, I I was just interested in the results of it being like why do you need an authentic, you know, like why does it have to be authentic and, you know, like little things that I was like I've just got like I just wasn't sure about why certain things were so emphasised by so many artists and I, I thought, you know, the only way I can know this is if I just give it a crack myself and see what you need along the you know during the process what you need along the way and so I just just one night um wrote one wrote a song my boyfriend had showed me garage band and I thought okay well here we go I'll sit and have a piece of Vegemite toast and write a song (laughs) and so I wrote a song and then you know (laughs) luckily I'm surrounded by some brilliant musicians so I got it produced by my friend Gab Strum who I adore and he um I'm very I don't sing in front of anyone I um I was three years old and I was singing on the potty about I was for some reason really interested in the baby Jesus and I was singing at the top of my lungs my family my they baptized my sister and forgot to baptize me so we're not exactly the most religious but my nonna had a nativity scene and it had the baby Jesus in it and I was like this baby is incredible so I was like, who is this baby, you know, in the middle of this manger? And so I sort of like just got really obsessed and started singing on the potty and I remember my family were outside giggling at me. And so, I, which you would if you heard a two-year-old on the potty singing about the baby Jesus. But anyway, I sort of got a bit of a shock and I, re- I, I felt the singing wasn't something you should do, you know, because that's, that's a, you know, it, it's a shameful thing in a way. So I never really thought about it. So I, really uh, feel, <laughs> I mean, in hindsight, it feels on brand. So, yeah, um, you know. yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, so I did really need to trust, you know, Gab was that person who I really truly did trust. And that was very lucky to have around me. And so I, I sang this song and we recorded it and I put it out. And I remember the night before I was just absolutely, I was like, what? <laughs> hell have I done this is awful (laughs) and like I just felt so sick because I was like why am I doing this this is not what I do I am a you know visual artist I'm not a musician I have zero musical talent I played the oboe for 10 years and never even got past like grade three and it was like okay what on earth and I remember in that moment I was like well at least like you know my picture's right, you know, and at least that feels real. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's why you got to be authentic because when you are really vulnerable and I didn't realise how much emotional energy music took and when you are so yeah. vulnerable, you actually need to be represented exactly as you are. Even if it's heightened, it has to be real because in that moment you need something to cling on to and I think visuals are still and the music kind of is fleeting and you're sort of listening to it 
but you can't grab onto it. So to be able to have a visual you can grab onto that sort of feels like you in that moment is really, uh, yeah, it just helped me understand why that was so it's it's really crucial to get that right, basically. Uh, and this, I mean, this um, song, Boom, um, well, it's it's done quite well. I, I looked up the <laughs> latest stats just before we began, 275,000 views on uh, sorry, listens on Spotify, yes. which is, you know, it not ain't no worst, slouch. But not the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy. Well, well, tell us what, what's um, what's coming next. You, you've mentioned about um, oh. another song imminently uh, being released. When, when's yeah. that dropping in? And uh, well, uh, with think, what you can share. With what I can share. Well, I kind of, I think in a way, this is another thing. It's following the, ooh. Because I was like, you know what? This process I've actually really enjoyed. It's not using, it's using my ears instead of my eyes. And it actually gave my, it felt like it reinvigorated my brain a little bit to do something, which I did find really, like, it was absolutely horrifying and terrifying. And um, so I sort of, I was in, I had a pretty bad asthma during the bushfires. So I, um, I started to write another one on GarageBand and it just sort of popped out. And then um, sort of finished it during lockdown. I found it on my phone again and then um, Gab produced it again. And then um, it got, a label got interested and so I I signed it away. (laughs) No, it didn't (laughs) sign it away. Um, But, you know, did a a little record deal and um, got two kilos of marshmallows put in the contract so all is well that ends well. And it's just nice Nice. to be able to, like, work with, (laughs) like, a team on it, really, um, and actually be able to sort of work with people on that side of things and see it sort of feels like it's a continuation of just trying to understand things a little better, really. And um, Yeah, yeah. So that one um, is coming out early next year. And it, I truly sing on it. I really go all out. The the potty days are over. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what came over me, but look, recording it wasn't easy because I was sort of like singing, you know, singing at the top of my lungs and Gab was, you know, going, wait, why don't you just, just, just relax, just a touch. And I was like, I can't relax, Gab. (laughs) This is terrifying. (laughs) So, you know, we got there in the end and like, it's, yeah, it's just been a really and sort of creating assets for it. Dr. C. Ringe features um, cool. as the cool. chief medical officer. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been really, it's another, it feels very linear once again, but um, uh, it, doesn't, yeah, yeah. it doesn't sound too linear. But. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> um, oh, no, I'm super excited. I, I really, um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed um, Broom and obviously it had your, um, your, your, visual identity or very recognizable visual identity all over it so um yeah no i'm just you i'm can, excited you can play the next one two hundred thousand times for me gary <laughs> <laughs> yeah did i play a hand in it yeah probably, probably. <laughs> um let, let's um not not that this is the most important point to um leave on but you know the time always gets chewed up really quickly and sometimes you miss um some some aspects of um, of your life, but in recent times, you've also been doing some, um, uh, yeah, like pretty significant and highly shared sort of uh, corporate projects. Um, one, one of course, and, and it's quite funny, you were in the USA at the start of this year before everything yeah. turned utterly cooked. Um, but um, yeah. tell, us, tell us about your time and who you were with and, and what you were doing over in um, the USA and what sort of led up to that point. That has been one of the coolest projects really um it started last year my friend ellen portis and i she's an illustrator and a brilliant person and um we started collaborating a long time ago and then a project came up for facebook where they wanted um an illustrator and you know to collaborate with another medium and so ellen sort of thought well you know Julie is another medium and we collaborate well but um they didn't want a photographer because you know photography generally is quite high risk but the way I do it is sort of I guess more digital illustration really but um so we lost the job and then they came back to us because the other people couldn't get it done as like in the deadline so we thought okay we're not sleeping let's go so we just 
got it done and, you know, and it was the cover photo for Facebook, um, the, the Facebook Facebook. And um, so we collaborated on that and then Ellen, we were talking and we were like, wouldn't it be cool if we could like, you know, turn it into something real, like a, an installation. And so we, you know, look, not usually in character, but I, you know, we thought, well, what, we've literally got nothing to lose. So we spoke to them and we thought, and we just said like, we, it would be really cool as an installation. And so they said, yep, great, cool. Uh, we'll get onto that now. And so the team we worked with were just like, they were so brilliant, really, really fantastic smart people and um and so basically we ended up getting a call saying okay so we've got a space in New York and we've got a budget and we'll get the fabricators onto it and you can create this installation go wild (laughs) do whatever you want (laughs) so we went absolutely wild and it's this moving installation and we just like had so much fun and like all the parts moved you could sit on it like it was it was just like every it was the epitome of not holding back. And yeah. then um, six months later, we got a call from the office um, in San Fran and Silicon Valley at the like headquarters. And they said, like, love what you did in New York. Would you want to do another one? And so <laughs> for Instagram and, um, <laughs> and then also in Facebook. And so we sort of thought, okay. <laughs> so we, we work with the same fabricators who are just like fantastic. And they were actually yeah, from San Francisco and being able to continue that relationship was amazing because we knew what was possible. And yeah. we thought we'd gone all out in the last one. <laughs> and then we really went all out and everything. There were buttons that made things pop out and, like, we just created this huge sort of mini room that you could sort of go through and each thing had a different part to it. And it was just, like, I we couldn't really believe that it actually happened and then um yeah so that we installed that in San Fran and immediately after the office closed and COVID hit and thank goodness we made it home safe amazing oh but yeah and those timelines they were I mean in hindsight but they were sharp weren't they I think uh, oh, yeah. am I right like did you land back here at the start of March or, or we landed something back, like um there were two positive cases on our plane um, and I remember we landed back um, the day before or a couple of days before hotel quarantine was put in, but I quarantined in like a separate place anyway. Um, and then, yeah, so we sort of just went sort of back and quarantined and stayed safe and stayed at home for two weeks and didn't see anyone. But, yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. a very, very tight timeline and it was a bit um, – it was a bit of a, it was an important insight into wanting to come home and having sort of restrictions put on you from another country. You sort of realise, oh, actually, like, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I won't necessarily, yeah, we weren't sure there were a lot of changes and we weren't sure whether we'd get back, um, whether we'd get back. So <laughs> luckily we did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's good. But still, like, it's it's amazing to know that, Um. yeah, you both shared in that, like, pretty incredible experience and you know that um you know there's people you know just engaging with you and keeping you in mind for further uh, who knows what they'll what crazy shit they'll cook up next <laughs> for you to get involved in <laughs> oh, I hope more because they truly it was such a like you know yeah it was an incredible experience and Ellen is was the best partner for it she really yeah it, yeah 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 a proper it was a true and wonderful kind of collaboration so I feel just so life's lucky I feel very lucky oh good on you oh look I want to thank you so much for um joining me today I've like uh, yeah always really loved um yeah your approach and the and obviously the projects you get involved in and it's um you know just always really enjoyable catching up with you uh it hasn't happened this year I don't think but um you know it will Gary it will of course it will will. thank you so um, much for this you're a fabulous oh my pleasure Go you. No, I love what you do. I love what you do. But like in terms of the plug, so your Instagram handle, um, it's at g.g.mcg. Yep. And then you've got the new song coming out um, at the start of next year, which is really cool. Sure do. Listen out 200,000 times. Get on it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing.
amazing. <laughs> Look, take care of yourself and can't wait to catch up soon. All the best. Thank you. You too, Gary. Bye. Well, that was my chat for episode 15 of A Lot To Say podcast with Julia Giannini McGoran, or Gigi McGee as you may um, refer to her, but um, she's such a legend and such a such a fantastic storyteller and, um, you know, I absolutely enjoy every interaction I have with her. You can find her on um, Instagram. As I mentioned a little earlier, it's at g.g.mcg. You can find Boom, um, her, her track on Spotify uh, under Gigi McGee, or um, just keep an eye out when she uh, inevitably drops her next track at the start of next year. You can also find her portfolio of work online. Um, just simply search for juliamagoran.com and you'll see a bunch of her really incredibly striking visuals on there. But um, again, thanks so much for um, being on the podcast, Julia. Uh, you can find more of um, the podcast episodes that I'm releasing uh, via the social media channels for Alts Projects. That's at Olds Projects. Um, my name's Gary Williams, or Gaz, as you can call me. Music on the podcast is by my old band, Bateman. You can find this on Bandcamp. Um, more episodes dropping soon, so thanks for tuning in and um, appreciate it. Catch you soon. <laughs>